One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. I am Sadie Eck. And we are sisters and we're here to tell you something terrible. Specifically, Sadie is going to tell you something terrible today. What terrible thing do you have for the people? Well, this is a terrible story written by our dear Deli Mazingo. Thank you, Deli. Thank you so much for nothing, but also for everything. Everything. This is the murder of Latrice Curtis. On January 30th, 2008, at 7.12 a.m., David Jones was driving on I-540 in North Carolina on his way to a meeting. This stretch of road connects Raleigh to Durham and is known to be filled with commuters, especially at this time of day. The sun had just started to rise and David's day was just getting started when he slowed his vehicle, pulled off the interstate, and called 911. Mm. He told the dispatcher, quote, I'm on 540 westbound, just past, I believe, the Buffalo exit, and I think there's a body on the side of the road. Mm-mm. When police arrived on the scene, they located a woman's body at the top of an embankment. Even from a distance, investigators knew that she had been stabbed to death. Ugh. The victim had been stabbed 40 times in her head, neck, chest, and stomach. Oh my lord. Poor, poor dear. Two of those wounds were so deep that they exited her back. Oh, my God. Ugh. She had injuries to her hands, including two broken nails, which suggested that she had fought her attacker. The assistant district attorney said that the victim had been stabbed so many times that all of the blood had been drained from her body. Oh, my God. Why is this real life? How does this happen? And then you have to be, your job is to go and investigate this. Right. You have to drive to work and see it. No. Nobody, none of us should ever have to do any of this. Nothing remotely like that. Oh, God. She added, quote, this was absolutely a targeted murder because of the number of stab wounds that were on her body. It wasn't just, I want her dead. It was, I want her beyond death. Mm. About a quarter mile away, investigators found a white Nissan Sentra on the shoulder of the highway with a blood-stained interior. Investigators surrounded the vehicle and crime scene tape and began searching it. 
police began to theorize that the brutal attack had taken place mostly outside the vehicle. The victim had lost much more blood than what was found inside the car. Meanwhile, another call was being made to 911, just a few miles away. Darren Curtis told the dispatcher that he wanted to report his wife missing. She was a student at North Carolina Central University, just a 30-minute drive from their apartment, but she never made it home that night. Quote, I talked to her last night when she was on her way home. She was in the car and everything. She hasn't shown up since. Mm-hmm. After reporting his wife missing at 8.25 a.m., Darren went looking for her. He retraced her route until he saw her car on the shoulder surrounded in crime scene tape. Oh, no. Authorities had blocked off the scene and covered the victim's body in a blue tarp by this point. He approached the investigators with a photo of his wife and said, quote, This is my wife. This is her car up there. Please tell me that's not her under the tarp. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. No. But unfortunately, it was. 21-year-old Latrice Curtis was described as someone that everyone loved. She was the youngest of four. Her dad said, quote, you just had to know her. She just melted your heart. When she was little, she and her dad were best buds. Quote, I used to call her my little boy in a dress because I did everything with her probably that fathers do with their sons. We did a lot of fishing. I even took her hunting one time. I taught her everything that I knew about basketball. He said that no matter what he was doing or where he was going, she was right behind him. She even followed him so closely that he accidentally stepped on her all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But as Latrice got older and became a teenager, their relationship changed. She wasn't interested in the rough-and-tumble, boy-in-a-dress lifestyle anymore. She liked getting her hair and nails done now, and she wasn't going to risk either of them getting messed up for a game of basketball. Her dad said, quote, The little girl that followed me all over the place, all of a sudden, I'm looking for her. She enrolled at North Carolina Central University, a historically black public college. She was majoring in business management and administration. She was studious and chose this major because she didn't want a future burdened with financial worries. She got a part-time job working in the human resources department at Sears, where she made a few close friends. They described her as bubbly, humble, and encouraging. She was someone that they felt comfortable confiding in. And then one month before her 21st birthday, out of the blue, Latrice went into work with a wedding ring on her finger and excitedly told everyone that she got married. Mm-hmm. Her friends were in disbelief. Latrice's parents didn't even know she was dating someone. What? But Latrice had been dating Darren Curtis for a while. Her friends described him as nice, shy, respectful, and quiet. He had served in Iraq in the National Guard before leaving the military to pursue an education and settle down with someone. But Latrice's dad didn't care much for him. This complete stranger was now part of their family. Her dad said that he was most upset by the fact that neither one had talked with him about getting married. And I cannot imagine. No. As a parent, I would be furious. Furious. Like, pick who you want, but please let me in on it at least a little bit. Please let me in. Seriously. Latrice had tried to call her dad to talk every now and then, but in the months after she was married, he hadn't been ready to forgive her. Mm. He held on to his anger, 
There was no way he could have known that just nine months after her wedding, he'd never have the opportunity to talk to her again. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, this is way too bad. Oh, I Deli, know. you monster. This is I so know. sad. I know. It's so sad. She's so young. She loved her dad. And people get to be mad at each other for a while, but then you get to yeah. make up. You get yes. to move on. Yeah, you set boundaries. You say, that hurt me. And then you process it. And then you see them in a couple months. Yeah. On January 30th, he turned on the TV to watch the news first thing and saw the news story about a young woman's body being found on the side of I-540. Oh, my God. He learned later that morning that it was his daughter. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. No. Just three hours after Latrice's body was found, her husband Darren was brought in for questioning. He told investigators that Latrice had called him around 10 p.m. when she was driving home from her class that night. She told him she was going to stop and grab some food on the way. He said that he wasn't sure if she was still in Durham or was already on her way back to Raleigh. He told investigators that he'd fallen asleep and woke up sometime between 6 and 7 a.m. Latrice's father was furious. He couldn't understand how Darren could fall asleep without making sure she got home safe. He was most angered by what he described as Darren's nonchalant attitude. Mm. Quote, we never see Darren. We never see Darren that day or no day after that. They say he identified the body, but he never came out and said anything to us. Really? I started to, yeah, I started to hate him. I mean, just pure hate because I had made up my mind that he knew what happened to her. So curious to see where this goes. Right? Yeah. I know. And I can see it both ways, too. I can totally understand why Latrice's dad would be so mad at Darren yeah. for not coming around. And I can also see if things were never patched up between them and Darren surprised married their daughter and they were really angry. Yeah. That even after her death, he'd be like, I don't know if they would want to see me. Yeah. You know, but either way, sometimes you just have to be the bigger person and go over and check on your grieving in-laws. Well, when you're that age, I just think about things I did at that age and how we just, you just don't know anything about, you don't have any manners. There's no decorum. You would fall asleep waiting for your spouse to come home. Sure. Because you're also 21. So I don't know what their lifestyle was, but maybe she went out with a friend and I didn't get a text or who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. But the district attorney said that she didn't initially suspect Darren. She felt like Darren was acting appropriately for someone in his situation. And since he and Latrice lived together, she would have been the only other person who could have provided an alibi for him. There was no other way to prove that he had been home that night. Darren provided a DNA sample and fingerprints to investigators before being let go. But even if the district attorney wasn't suspicious, the public was. A reporter for WRAL who covered the case said, quote, in a lot of cases like this, it is the husband, and that's what a lot of people are thinking. Why else would he have made the call right around the same time that her body was discovered? Maybe it was to give himself an alibi. Check his phone records. Mm-hmm. Reporters began reaching out to the people closest to Latrice, but they were never able to get in contact with Darren. A few reporters with WRAL found this interesting and interviewed neighbors about Latrice and Darren's relationship, but everyone said they never saw anything that gave them pause. Investigators got their first big break in the case when a state trooper called into the police station. He said that around 1.15 a.m. on January 30th, he saw a vehicle on the side of I-540 with its hazard lights on. 
When he pulled off to see if the driver needed help, he realized it was actually two cars. The first was a white sedan Mm. and a white minivan had pulled up behind it. He got out of his patrol car and shone a light into the car's windows. Both cars had no one inside of them and seemed to be abandoned. But right at that moment, a call came through his radio and he was called away to another scene. Because he had a feeling that something was off, he got the license plate number for the minivan before leaving. Yes, good. And in that moment, he had unknowingly gathered a piece of evidence that would be crucial to solving the case. Yes, good job. Yes. Right? Police learned that the minivan was registered to a man named Robert Reeves. When they asked Latrice's family and friends about the man, they didn't recognize his name and his picture wasn't familiar either. Immediately, police wanted to know who this man was and how he was connected to Latrice. They learned that Robert Reeves was a 43-year-old bishop at Cedar International Fellowship in Durham. He was well-liked and respected. He had been a church leader for decades, so long, in fact, that his nickname was The Bishop. Mm. He told investigators that he had been at church the night of Latrice's murder and then went home. And when investigators asked him who had access to his minivan, they found the link between Latrice and the bishop, his roommate, Stephen Randolph. (gasps) Robert explained that he had been at a car wash where he met Stephen, who was working there at the time. He learned that Stephen was a student at North Carolina Central University and played for the men's basketball team. Stephen had aspirations of playing professionally someday. Stephen told Robert he was being evicted and needed a place to stay. Being a mentor and community leader, Robert offered him reduced rent if he wanted to live in his basement, and Stephen accepted the offer. Mm. Within a few months, Stephen was also using Robert's car from time to time because his car needed repairs. When investigators asked Robert how he knew Latrice, they learned that Latrice had come over to Robert's house on more than a few occasions. As it turned out, Stephen and Latrice had been having an affair. <gasps> Latrice? I know. You just got married, honey. Since you're 21. 21. Then you get surprise married. Mm. She doesn't care. Mm -mm. Nope. Investigators took Robert's DNA and fingerprints as a precaution, but they were much more interested in talking with Stephen. When Stephen was brought in for questioning, he admitted to police that he was having a sexual relationship with Latrice and knew that she was married. Stephen told them that Latrice had come over on January 29th, the night of her murder, and that they had had sex. When she called her husband on the way home and said she was leaving school, it had been a lie. (sighs) Stephen said he then left his house and went over to stay with some friends. A few of his friends lived there, including a young woman who was basically his other girlfriend. This is very complicated. Mm -hmm. Right? I know Deli left out some names of people just so people didn't get too distracted. But we basically have all of the players now. Get it. So we've got Robert the Bishop... His roommate, Stephen, who has had an affair with Latrice and her husband, Darren. And his girlfriend. Around 1.30 a.m., he left and went back to his house. Stephen also told investigators that he was being harassed by an anonymous person. Back in October, about three months before Latrice's death, Stephen started getting phone calls from a private number. The caller sounded like a male and made multiple death threats. Stephen's other girlfriend also started getting threatening calls from a private number. The caller told her that she needed to tell Stephen to, quote, stop whatever he was doing 
and threatened to break Stephen's legs and end his basketball career. What? So we do we have a new character. You said we were done, but now I'm sorry. A I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about the stalker. My God. <laughs> we are not done. The reason Stephen had been using Robert's car was because his tires had been slashed just a month ago. Holy shit. He had been on his way to his other girlfriend's house back in December and noticed he had a flat tire on the drive there. He stopped at a gas station, changed the tire, and continued on his way. But when he got ready to leave her house later that night, he found that all four tires had been slashed this time. Jeez Louise. A few weeks later, Stephen's girlfriend's tires were slashed, too. <sighs> Investigators took Stephen's DNA and fingerprints before letting him go. They began to consider the possibility that if what Stephen said was true, the person who had been targeting Stephen and his other girlfriend may have had something to do with Latrice's murder. I was very curious where this is going. Now I'm supremely curious about where this is going. Yeah, right? And suspicious. I honestly, I loved reading this. It's been really fun to have Deli's help for yes, lots of reasons. Right? But to have this complete story done, and then I read through and edit it and make sure I'm comfortable with it. It's so fun to get this whole story. And I'm like, ooh, who did it? And not know. It's this. I really enjoyed how Deli put this together. So thank you, Deli. Yes. Amazing. They diligently searched Latrice's car, Darren's car, their shared apartment, and Stephen's apartment. DNA and fingerprint comparisons were made. And within three mm. days of Latrice's murder, three days, mm -mm. the sheriff's office called Latrice's father to let them know they had made an arrest in the case. Her husband. Is that your guess? Yes. Police had arrested the bishop, <gasps> Robert Reeves, <gasps> and charged him with first degree murder. My jaw. You guys know Right? Especially coming from you, the queen of... Pattern recognition. Yes. Holy shit. Didn't see it coming either. The community was confused and upset. During his first court appearance, many local religious leaders attended the hearing to show their support. One of the bishops in attendance told local reporters, quote, It's a real shock to us all. He's a fine gentleman. That's all I can tell you. He's a wonderful man. Another minister said he'd known Robert for three years and knew that police had arrested the wrong person. Quote, He's an awesome man of God. It's not his character. It's just not him. I really think he was set up. Even Latrice's parents were frustrated with how little made sense about this arrest. Her father said, quote, There was no way he should have been in the picture at all. If anything, it would have been a duel between Stephen and Darren. I want to know why. Oh, man. We all do, buddy. Yeah. We all Brutal. want to know. But the public and Latrice's family would have to wait nearly two years until the trial started to learn more. Robert Reeves' trial began on September 29th, 2009. The assistant district attorney began her opening statement by telling the jury that this was going to be a unique case where things would get very complicated and very strange very quickly. Yeah, that's an understatement so far. Right? Robert's supporters learned that they were completely wrong about him. Mm -hmm. Just a quick trigger warning for sexual assault. The real Robert Reeves left his first job as a preacher in Bennettsville, South Carolina in 1987 due to accusations of sexually abusing a boy under the age of 17. Ah, uh, Robert. Mm -hmm. 
Why you gotta, why you gotta use that religion to be a baddie? When I was reading the beginning of the story, I immediately got suspicious because he was a bishop. And I was like, Sadie, not every religious leader is doing bad stuff. But Robert did not prove me wrong in my assumptions and my, what is it called? Stereotype. Stereotyping. (laughs) Yeah. Terrible, monstrous people pretending to be good people. That's that we've had enough of that. Seriously. (laughs) Completely agree. Oh, God. He was charged and convicted with third degree sex charges and served jail time. Mm. The pastor who took over after Robert Reeves said he hoped he would move past the incident and, quote, start doing the right thing. But that's not how sexual predators work. No, God, no. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, wait, I I mis- was mistaken. I will do better now. I that was just a real whoopsie daisy. I think I'm, mm-hmm. I cannot do that anymore. Robert continued working as a member of the clergy and moved a few times before eventually settling down in North Carolina. In September of 2005, he pleaded guilty to obtaining property by false pretenses, but details on this incident are scarce. He was placed on 12 months of probation. Then in July of 2006, he began working as a clinical research associate in Cary, but was terminated for making unauthorized purchases on his company credit card amounting to $6,412.95. The company sued and was awarded damages for the unauthorized charges plus interest, attorney's fees, and $10,000 in punitive damages. During the prosecution's opening statements, the assistant district attorney told the jury that Robert Reeves had a long history of making sexual advances towards young men after pretending to be interested in mentoring them. Mm. One of those young men was Latrice's secret love interest, Stephen Randolph. Oh, man. <sighs> mm-hmm. Special place in hell. Mm-hmm. So much. Stephen testified that the bishop started mentoring him after he moved in, but it wasn't long before he saw another side of him. Almost two months before Latrice's murder, Robert began talking with Stephen about rent payments, asking him if he'd ever considered being a male escort. Oh, no. Stephen said when it was first mentioned, he kind of thought about it for a minute. He could probably make decent money doing it. Robert said he'd need to see what Stephen looked like naked and then began groping him. Oh, my God. No. Mm-hmm. Understandably, Stephen became uncomfortable and left. But the harassment didn't end there. Robert continued to try to bait Stephen in a number of ways, first by offering him free rent in exchange for oral sex. Knowing that Stephen wasn't gay, he tried to convince him that if he closed his eyes, he wouldn't be able to tell that he was receiving oral sex from a man. Mm. Stephen became so uncomfortable in his own home that he often stayed at other people's houses and borrowed a gun from his cousin to protect himself. He testified, quote, a guy that says he was a man of God then does that. Who knows what he's capable of? Two other men testified to Robert's predatory behavior. One young man had been working at a kiosk at the mall when Robert began talking to him and offered him a ride home. He accepted his offer since he usually took the bus home. Robert offered him a place to live, and the young man took him up on the offer a few months later. But just like with Stephen, Robert began talking to him about escort services and harassing him for oral sex. 
After he refused, police showed up to the mall where this man worked and arrested him. Oh, my God. Robert had retaliated by telling the police that he had damaged Robert's property. I, this is, I am flabbergasted by this story. I Me too. It's so diabolical. Horrific. Horrible. Yes. Really, really, really horrible. And also, this all started with Stephen yeah. just two months before Latrice was murdered. Two months. I'm, I, I, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm rarely taken aback. And I <laughs> was not expecting this. I've never no. heard anything like this. This is no very fucked up. Yes. Another man testified that he had installed a home alarm system for Robert during the time that Stephen was living there. After Stephen left for classes that morning, Robert began harassing the man, the the home alarm system man, in the same way as he had with the other men. The technician tried to leave, but Robert pulled him inside the home in an attempt to sexually assault him. Uh He was able to break free from his grip and fled the home. Uh And if that wasn't horrifying enough... The prosecution presented evidence that Robert was the mystery caller who had harassed and threatened Stephen and his girlfriend. Oh, my God. Phone records showed that Robert had three phone lines, a house phone, a cell phone, and a secret phone that he referred to as his, quote, fun phone. Oh, this is... I'm... (laughs) Oh, I I really am, like, stunned. This is Yeah, it feels like a... a, Horror movie. It feels like... Yes, it feels like a script from a horror movie. This creep-ass bishop guy with his fun phone. It's just... It's like saw shit. It's fucking awful. Awful. And then stabbing his roommate's tire, so the roommate's then, like, extra Mm -hmm. dependent on Mm -hmm. him by having to use his van and on and on. Yep, spend all of the money that he can't afford on rent now because he has to get new tires, so he better give him moral sex. It's fucked up. And then just attacking anyone who comes to his house, like, Right. I've been having a lot of repair guys. On the day that Stephen's tires were slashed, seven calls were made from the fun phone to Stephen's cell phone. On the day that his girlfriend's tires were slashed, two calls were made from the phone phone to Stephen's girlfriend. I don't like fun phone. That's not I don't either. Robert's fun phone pinged off of two towers near the parked cars on the days and times that the crimes occurred. Prosecutors painted a clear picture. <clears throat> Hold on. <clears throat> Prosecutors painted a clear picture that showed Robert was trying to interfere. Prosecutors painted a clear picture that showed Trob. God damn it. <laughs> Prosecutors painted a clear picture that showed Robert was trying to interfere with Stephen's relationships. And they argued that Robert killed Latrice in an attempt to get her out of the picture so that he could pursue a relationship with Stephen. But no matter what his motive was, the evidence clearly proved that Robert had been the one who murdered Latrice. That is stunning. That some random man, some random depraved fucking dude could just kill a young woman, just take her from everybody. Oh, my God. It's shocking. Yeah. On the night that Latrice was killed, Latrice was over at Robert and Stephen's home. Robert wasn't there at the time. He had been at church, like he told investigators. But his claim that he'd been at church when Latrice was murdered was a lie. Church ended at 10 p.m., which is just about the same time that Latrice was leaving. 
Robert claimed that he got home from church around 11 and didn't go anywhere else. But Robert's sister, who lived upstairs in the same house, said that after both Latrice and Stephen left, she didn't hear anyone else come home. She fell asleep around 12 a.m. Instead of being at church or at home, like he'd claimed, Robert had actually been near the home, sitting in his car, waiting for Latrice to leave. Mm -mm. He then followed her as she made her way home. It's unclear whether she pulled off onto the side of the highway voluntarily or if Robert forced her to pull over somehow, but the only person's DNA inside the car other than Latrice's was Robert's. Eyewitnesses testified that they'd seen his car at the scene of the murder at the time they believed Latrice had been murdered. While Robert tried to point investigators towards Stephen by claiming that Stephen had access to his car, Stephen had actually gotten his tires repaired two weeks before Latrice's murder and drove his own vehicle to hang out with friends after Latrice left his house that night. Thank God. Thank God. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh, you ask? Why, you must not listen to this podcast very often because we love HelloFresh. But just to refresh your memory, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. With so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness you can taste. Turn to HelloFresh Market for yummy add-ons and enjoy the season's limited-time fall flavors lineup. Feast on desserts like apple cider cake, yes please, with caramel Mm -hmm. sauce, or please a crowd with appetizers like the barbecue pulled pork nachos. And don't forget the mini pumpkin cheesecake, perfect for a me-time treat. Did you just hear that? Was it your kid? No, it was my stomach growling. <laughs> you need a me-time treat? I need a me-time treat. <laughs> and you all know we love HelloFresh. We've said it from day one. We love HelloFresh. It's delicious. It's easy. It's convenient as heck. Just open your refrigerator. Pull out the bag. Everything you need is in the bag. Cook it up 30 minutes or less. Everybody wins. Choppy, choppy, cookie, cookie, dunny, yummy. <laughs> True story. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50, they will, and use code 50, they will for 50, five zero percent off, plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50, they will. And use code 50, they will for 50% off plus free shipping. Do it. You won't regret it. In fact, Robert admitted that no one else had used his car on January 29th or 30th. He had no way to explain why his car would be on the side of I-540. He had no explanation for why he had a gouge in his right hand or scrapes on his right leg when he was questioned by investigators. Or why his pupils were completely black, or why his head <laughs> like his soul had a tendency to spin on its axis, mm. because mm. there's no other explanation for that kind of behavior than mm. demonic possession, because seriously, it's too dark and too disturbing. He claimed they must have happened when he and Stephen moved a desk recently. 
But when investigators followed up on this, Robert's sister confirmed that he had moved a desk, but said he didn't get hurt. Stephen told investigators, quote, we moved it with no problem. Investigators also took a look at the alarm system history. They saw that someone had set the alarm on January 30th at 1.28 a.m. This corroborated Stephen's story that he returned home around 1.30 a.m. But then at 2.30 a.m., the alarm system showed that someone entered the home and reset the alarm. This person had used a master code. Unbeknownst to Stephen, there was more than one alarm code. Oh, my God. Robert used a different code so that he could look at the alarm system history and see when Stephen was coming and going. And the use of the master code at 2.30 a.m. proved that Robert had lied to investigators about his whereabouts that night. Damn. Thank mm -hmm. God for good investigation. Seriously. The fact that Robert left his DNA in Latrice's car just to make sure we put all the pieces together yeah. as they should. Yes. Otherwise, this would have ended very badly for Stephen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Either of those men or both of them. They would have been like, mm -hmm. yeah, they were in on it together. We're just going to frame mm -hmm. them both because yeah, this just doesn't make sense otherwise. Yep. Jury deliberated for two days and found the bishop, Robert Reeves, guilty of first degree murder. Juror Raymond Larraise told WRAL that the jury was confident and happy with their decision. Quote, I know that when every one of us left the deliberation room, that we all could sleep at night because we made the right decision. I mean, yeah. After the verdict was read, the judge did something pretty unusual by inviting the prosecution to share more evidence with the jury that was not admissible. What? Wow. Good for you. Yeah, just to be like, you definitely made the right choice. Holy shit. Chills. <laughs> right? That like appeals to a really specific part of my brain, but yeah. Whoa. Yes. Just wanting to know all of the details. Fuck. That's incredible. Mm hmm. Earlier in the trial, the defense had successfully suppressed evidence that investigators had collected from Robert's home. The prosecution told the jury that the most crucial evidence that had been suppressed was, quote, a partially melted trash can containing accelerant and fabric. They also found a receipt for the purchase of a broiling pan on the morning of January 30th. The prosecution said they had planned to use this evidence to prove that Robert was trying to burn the clothing he'd worn the night before. Mm. Quote, it would have been the state's position that Mr. Reeves got up that morning after everybody had left and needed to get rid of something that had some blood on it or otherwise might implicate him. I mean, why would you burn clothes? Yeah. And Deli made a little note, too, that the reason it got thrown out was because they put the wrong county. The investigators put the wrong oh, county on the shit. search warrant. But the county line was like right next mm -hmm. to Robert Reeves' house and her body was found in one county. Mm -hmm. The investigation primarily happened in the other. And so it was it was Just like a semantic at that point. Yeah. yeah. But enough to get that evidence thrown out. Luckily, not enough to complicate the trial. Right. The bishop, Robert Reeves, was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Although justice has been served for Latrice and her family, the questions still linger. Why? 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 I'm, Deli, I need you to go back. I need you to find out I everything know. about this man's life, right? his childhood, his everything. Right. Why did her life have to be taken in this sick and twisted way? 
To kill a young woman he barely knew in such a brutal way shows the depths of his depravity. Yes, agreed. And that is all wow. our dear Deli Rose. She has uh, her own opinion that we can talk about here in a minute, but um, what the fuck? Dude? Okay, I <laughs> slow clap, Deli. Slow clap. Where are you finding these stories, you guys? Can you believe Deli that she's no, coming up with these absolute bangers? Is, I I don't know what we did to deserve her, but Deli, my God, girl, yeah. thank you for showing up in our in our DMs. Like literally. Uh, I know. I have tears in my eyes. Like, thank you for telling Latrice's story. That poor mm-hmm. woman, poor Stephen, mm-hmm. poor alarm installer man, poor Darren, Le- poor father, yeah. poor yeah. everyone who ever came within any radius of this fucking person. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm stunned. <laughs> it, I mean, what? It, yeah, I'm dying to know more about was Latrice harassed like Stephen and his other girlfriend were? Did he just pop out of nowhere and did she not see it coming? What I'm going to assume happening? that there had been something leading up to it because that guy just clearly didn't have any fear or shame. It sounds like she probably wasn't a sexual victim of his, but I'm sure she was a victim of his harassment. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like she was harassed enough for her to talk about it right. to people right. before she was murdered. She's probably just like, ugh, his roommate's such a jerk and weird or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm getting these weird phone calls or right. Knows. Yeah. God. And you all know I'm a big believer in rehabilitation and we talk about this a lot. Like there's a lot of cases where the perpetrator, you're like, yeah, I get it. Like I can see where that behavior came from. And then you've got cases like this where you're like, this is why people call people monsters. Like that mm-hmm. kind of behavior is so monstrous. It's so mm-hmm. lacks humanity that it's really, really hard to understand where that comes from and why somebody would act that way to so many different people. Like what happens in your brain and your body that you're capable of that much destruction? Right. Mental, emotional, spiritual, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like on every level, this guy was just Mm -hmm. out there deststroying people. Yeah. And having such dual personalities. I don't like that at all. No. It feels fake. It feels fake. Deli. Mm -hmm. Oh, Deli. She just made it up. She just wrote the story. We're going to get canceled because Deli's out there just making up stories that are so awful. (laughs) Well, if that's the case, she needs to switch and just be writing for your other podcast. <laughs> Seriously. The story would be welcome. I mean, I'm taking notes on the fun phone uh, part because that's oh, so upsetting. Chilling. It's so disturbing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Poor Latrice's parents. Poor. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. I tried to find victim impact statements. I'm sure Deli did, too, uh, just to kind of tie it up and bring the spotlight back to Latrice. But I couldn't mm-hmm. find anything. I can imagine they're just sitting in trial being like, what the fuck is happening? How? Why? Oh, my God. Our poor, poor darling Latrice. Well, that's the problem. Like, you get somebody that's this awful. Mm-hmm. Just like serial killers, it's like once something gets bad enough, there's just no room for the victims anymore as far as the media no. is concerned because it's just too much. It's too... Mm-hmm. It's too unbelievable. Too unbelievable. It's too big. Yeah. Oh, Let's my see. God. Deli said um, her own opinion here. She could see Robert killing Latrice out of his own rage, jealousy, 
And also as a way to set Stephen up for murder. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He willingly brought Stephen into the station after telling investigators he had access to the car. Yep. Yeah, it was mostly revenge. Absolutely. I mean, he clearly was very smart. He knew what he was right. doing. He knew how yes. to make people, bring them in as close as he could. And then so he'd have mm-hmm. kind of permanent access to them and then totally. make them lose their jobs and make them on and on and on. And mm-hmm. yeah, that guy yeah. was very good at what he did. And that's so totally. fucked up. Yeah. And she said, I don't think he was delusional enough to actually think he this would drive Stephen into his arms. Mm-mm. Seems like his whole game was to torment people and retaliate against their transgressions. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all, all control, all power. Yeah. Ugh. He said if he, if Stephen hadn't been at someone else's house when the murder occurred, he wouldn't have had as much of an alibi and it could have worked that Stephen got blamed, which I completely agree. Completely agree. And it makes me wonder what else he's done like that. You right. Know, how many other people have been hurt or mm-hmm. possibly killed? Yeah. Ugh, God, even horrendous, horrifying murder aside, the things that he was doing to Stephen leading up to that are... Un- unforgivable mm-hmm. to live with that much stress, to live with somebody who's actively pursuing you and tearing you down and mm-hmm. knocking your legs out from under you. Mm-mm. Yep. Yeah. And knowing how hard that time of life is when you're in college and Mm-mm. completely broke all the time, there is no way out. It's not like you can just move out. No. If it wasn't Latrice, it probably would have been Steven's other girlfriend. Or Steven she, or his family. Yeah. yeah somebody yeah. was going to pay oh my god mm-hmm. yep wow it's so fucked up so Ugh. fucked up oh boy well thanks again Deli, for nothing yeah thanks for nothing and also like truly truly bravo <laughs> um we have a oh so many names your face is gonna melt well good and before we start with that real quick yes i just want to remind people that if you need a doctor's appointment, go ahead and do it. Yes. Take it from somebody who really, really has a lot of anxiety about making doctor's appointments. I needed a new doctor and uh, took my dear husband's recommendation to go see his lovely doctor. And I had the one of the best doctor's experiences of my whole hip, life. Hip, hooray. And I really, really didn't think it would go well. My yeah. anxiety, which is so much better, was flaring. And I was like, I will get framed for murder. I'm going to get arrested or yes. whatever. I'm gonna they're gonna find they take my that I have no heart. I don't know what it is oh. that I'm worried about. And it was lovely. I'm turns out I'm still healthy and yeah. <laughs> she listened to me. She empathized with me. She helped me with problems that I've had that just like dealt with forever. It was perfect. And so it's just a reminder that anxiety is a liar. Yeah. You need to, you deserve good help. And if a doctor isn't helping you and isn't kind, then leave and try again. As traumatizing as it can be, it's worth it for your own well-being to find somebody who will care for you. They do exist. They really do. I have an amazing therapist or what? She's like a doctor, medicine doctor. (laughs) Brain medicine medicine doctor. (laughs) I actually don't know. Well, she specializes in sort of therapist. Yeah. Yeah. They specialize in mental health mostly, right? Yes. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just basically don't know her title. I think she's a therapist. Mm -hmm. She's, she prescribes my medication for ADHD. She's phenomenal. She's so fun. Luckily our bestie Sarah found her first and recommended I go Mm -hmm. see her, but she's lovely. I mean, she really is just the cutest, sweetest, funniest, 
like sure I'm going to be her in a couple of years and mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing her. She never questions me when I advocate for myself or I say, I think I'm going to try to change this up slightly. They exist. There are a lot of, a lot of people who intentionally or unintentionally will not give you the care you deserve. And when they do that, just pack up your shit and walk out of the room and Mm -hmm. send us an email and we will hype you up. (laughs) Always be a medical hype man. But yeah, yeah, Sadie was telling me about her experience yesterday. I was just brought tears to my eyes because everybody deserves that kind of care. Truly. Yeah, it really is true. And she even something that I don't know if I've ever really had a doctor do. She looked at my age I'm 41 and she, she was like, okay, so in the next five to 10 years, you're going to go into perimenopause. And Mm -hmm. these are the things that I want you to talk to me about. If you start to experience (gasps) them because you don't have to experience them. And I was like, girl, are you on TikTok too? (laughs) Shut up. Right. And I was like, great. And she's like, yeah, we can work this out. And depending on your family history, health history, there are plenty of treatments available to women that we don't offer them because we don't care about women. And I was like, girl, Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to hug her. And does she do telehealth? Because yes, please. Seriously. You guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My wife is in menopause. I'm pretty sure I'm in perimenopause. Our mother had early menopause and Mm -hmm. shit's rough. Well, she said too, that's when joint aches and pains, arthritis, all of that starts to flare and we'll want to get on it quickly. Oh my God. (laughs) It's like Jesus Lord. Yeah. Good. Well, mm-hmm. if she does telehealth, let me know because I've, I've got a couple people lined up that would like to see her. Specifically <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh boy, everybody. Well, uh, we're going to do some name time. And I think we have some new listeners because we had a TikTok video about uh, Mornay Harmsa. Harmsa. Oh, yeah. Blow up on the TikTok. I mean, gently blow up. And... So I know we have some new South African listeners. Hello, South Africa. We love you so much. Yeah. So lovely. And all the comments on the video were so lovely. It was messaging with people in my DMs from South Africa. Yeah. So welcome. And so if you're new here, name time started at the Charlotte Grabby episode a million trillion billion years ago, like three years ago now. There was a woman in the uh, show that I watched named Cindy Pancake. I worked it into the episode because it was the cutest name. She really had nothing to do with the case that much at all. (laughs) And ever since then, people have been sending us the cutest, sweetest, most interesting, unique names for us to read and celebrate together. And this week we have a lot. So here we go. Can't wait. Name time. Approved. Uh-huh. I actually pulled over to write this one down. Jonker's Garden. <laughs> it's like a garden center. Jonker's Jonkers. Garden. Yes. Yes. Oh, and as of yesterday, I'm getting new insurance. My insurance agent is Daniel Steele. <laughs> He's so nice. He's so nice. Shout out to he Daniel is. Steele. like talk to you about sexy stuff and oh, mysteries. Please, we one can, fingers crossed, hope that this insurance interaction <laughs> gets like soft focus and soft music plays. You know, I love Daniel right. Steele. And if anybody needs new health insurance, <laughs> let me know. I love this guy. Daniel and I get a $100 Steele. referral fee. 
a friend of mine posted they were at an avant-garde composer like concert for lack of a better word Yop Blanc was the guy's name it's called J-A-A-P I'm assuming that's pronounced Yop Blanc wow sounds like a good wine yes mm, do you have any Yop Blanc please delish <laughs> only get my Yop Blancs from New Zealand however um gay hooker you know some people are just uh, gay hooker yep <laughs> some people are also named Ursula Comquat. Oh, and I God. am very jealous of the person named Ursula Comquat. <laughs> Dick Hill is running for Whiteland Town Council. Richard uh -oh. C. Hill goes by Dick Hill. Okay, um, how did I not know? I might have known this, but I don't think so. Coxsackie Correctional Institute. There's a place in New York, I think New York, Coxsackie. Coxsackie, guys. <laughs> no. Just... Put all them cocks in a sacky. Put all them cocks in a sacky. Lock them up tight. I have been watching oh Love God. After Lockup, and that brought to my attention Cox Sacky Correctional Institute because the rest of you have been dropping the ball on that one. Football players, Wonder, Ma Wonder Mons. Yes. Yes. And Silverberry Mohoon. No. Mahoon. Yes. Wonder, Mons, and Silverberry Mount. I don't know why those two wow. names are so hard for me to say. Probably because their majesty can't fit in my mouth. <laughs> Scientist, Dimph Clay. I, I feel like I'm on acid. These names are so good this week. And I'm so strange. I have a ways to go. So everybody get comfy, wumpy. Someone was stationed in the Netherlands had a doctor giving him a physical named Peter Dick. <laughs> <laughs> he said he didn't use gloves and he had cold hands. Ah. Oh my God. Yep. A darling Navy. It's from Appalachia. I'm obsessed with Appalachia. I think we should just hear these names and then leave them alone because okay. I think it's too tempting to co-op all of Appalachia, in my opinion. Somehow I got on Melungeon TikTok. If you don't, if you're not familiar with the Melungeon culture, go read about it. Go watch the TikTok. It's fascinating, you guys. Here's some Appalachian names. Get ready to pass out. Okay, I'm ready. Someone said my mama's name was Ari. Her mommy was Vinny and or Viney, and Viney's mommy was Lou Vinny. I have an aunt. Alti Lou and mine and my granny's names are Fern. This came from like a Reddit post oh. about Appalachian names, by yeah. the way. Effie Joybell, Delight Della, Della Fay, and Ella D. Majestic, Lady Bell, Aunt Zinnia, Charlotta, and Narcissus. Iris Jean, Grace Pearl, Savinia, Dolly, Eula Blanche, Myrtle May. Mariah Thelma, Essie Florence, Hester Ann, Henrietta, Margie, Holda, Gertie, Osie, Ruby, Josephine, Ivy, Magnolia, Nola for short, Nanny, Dicey, Lovey, Effie, Essie, Eulala, Nikki Ty. I like Oh my god. It continues. A woman in someone's family was called Babe until she was nine. And then she was allowed to choose her own name. And she chose Valerie Pollyanna. V-A-L-E-E-R-Y. Valerie. Valerie oh, Pollyanna. Mm -hmm. My God. 
somebody, a uh, grandmother had a friend who named her daughter Relief because she was so relieved after a bad labor that they called the girl Leafy. Oh my God, I'm going to die of it. Zelfinia Onomega Lenora Lahoma Sonia with a J. Hazel, Ruthello, Inez, Grayson, Bethel, Geneva, Alma. Oh, my God. Gurley, Goldie, Lydia, Emma, Emma May, Jalinda, uh, twin sisters, Velma, Jeanette, and Thelma, Janelle. Twins. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Romilda, Ordella, Ursula, Wood. Mm-mm. Dimple. No. <laughs> Boy, Elijah. Sparkle, Plenty. Adelaide, Philomena, Tilly, Tootie. Ogdaline, Dixie Darlene, Sarah Charlene, Stellar Georgiana, Tildabelle, Celestine, Homer, Walker, Atlas, Zelfia, Dulcinea, Passy Drusilla, one named Passy Drusilla. Oh my God. Senna. You guys. What? Those are real. That's real. I did not make those up. That is incredible. Can you believe it? That's amazing. Stunning. Yes, breathtaking. Tilda Bell, I mean, le- uh-uh. leafy. Uh-uh. 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 I can't. No, I'm dead of it. I want to name a kid leafy so bad. <laughs> I mean, none of it's as good as Chicken Donna, but. <laughs> Chicken Donna. Chicken Donna rules, but. Oh my God, that's I couldn't stop. And I, I had to eventually stop. I mean, the Reddit thread was so long, but I was, you know, my thumbs were wearing out from copy and pasting. And. <laughs> So you thank you, have fragile thumbs. Honestly, <laughs> God, spectacular, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That was so fun, so fun. All right, two <laughs> shouty outies. Okay. Let's do two. Are we doing it? Okay, we've reached the point in the podcast. Done. Sadie and I had to stop and start. We had to stop <laughs> and start because I realized, you guys, that I had not had my coffee this morning. <laughs> Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? I was shocked. She said, "Oh my God, uh, I forgot." and to, to drink coffee. And I was like, oh, this is an emergency. We have to stop right now. You were so supportive. Your doula <laughs> skills kicked in and she was like, are you okay? Get out of here. Go. It was so strange. You guys, I have never, I've been drinking coffee. I was very precocious teenager since I'm like 13. I think I started <laughs> drinking coffee. I've tried to stop twice. It, it didn't stick. It's my no. favorite. I, before yeah. I go to bed every night, I'm like, I cannot wait. For the coffee in the morning. I look forward to it. <laughs> I've really never been more shocked by anything I haven't you've said either. in my whole life. I couldn't believe those words came out of your mouth. I haven't either. And I <laughs> was just sitting here like, what is going on? This is scary. Then I've been a little sick. I've been fighting a cold that Sadie's kids brought up here, imported to Michigan City for me. So I was like, yeah, it's still just sort of, no, no, bitch. No coffee, you just coffee. are going into withdrawals right now. <laughs> It was so exciting, though. Oh, so okay. exciting to, to realize. realize. <laughs> yes. Well, we got two really good names coming up yeah. for our little shouty outies. If you also would like a shout out, join our Patreon. We have 170 episodes over there right now. They're yep. really good. They're really Full good. ass episodes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Our last one was unhinged with tangents and banter if you like that part if not then yeah good luck. i did i did cut it down a bit good <laughs> so good I, I, I figured you did but yeah we don't need to talk about wow, you wow. Know, 
everything. The history and of leather making. We didn't talk about it. It was just very, <laughs> yeah. Like, Loosey goosey. Yeah, let's rein it back in a little bit. <laughs> oh, thank you so so much to Mama La. Oh, please. Oh, my God. Mama. Mama La. Ti-da. They say <laughs> when she sashays our way today. Mama La. Caw, caw. Calls the crow. Because she knows it's Mama La's day to grow. And by day, I mean every minute, every second, every millisecond to Mama La is, it is true that you were put on this earth to bloom Mama La. Mama La does not apply to Mama La. The rules of God and man can touch Mama La because... Mama La is where it began. Everything is growing <laughs> from Mama La. They are sowing the seeds of life, of power and beauty. Mama La. Mama La. <laughs> Mama La. Mama La. All I can think of. Is marmalade. Marmalade. <laughs> yummy yum. I actually ate some on my sandwich, mm. this sad sandwich this morning I ate without coffee. I did. <laughs> Mama La, go. Thank oh you. My God. Thank you so much for your support. And last but certainly not least, certainly not. thank you. Thank you so much to Nico Hazel. Oh, <laughs> pack it up. Mm-hmm. That's me mm-hmm. packing it up. Box. <laughs> That's the tape. Goodbye. The box. We're done. We've officially canceled shouty outies because <laughs> Nico Hazel. I'm like, Hazel is enough. Hazel's yep. enough to stop me in my tracks. Hazel's enough to, if I'm in a bad mood, just say the name Hazel. Okay, better. Okay, you know what? You're right. Names like Hazel exist. The world is a beautiful place to live. Mm-hmm. But then put Nico on the beginning of Hazel. What am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Nothing. Curl up in it. Snuggle, snuggle. Because if your name is Nico Hazel, what are you? A fashion designer? What are you? A, an abstract painter? <laughs> you know, like where I would love an invite to your loft because I know you live in one or are, are destined to live in a loft. What do you do? Refurbish antiques? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what are you out there doing? Fucking reselling Curing Italian cancer. bicycles that you find in the dump dumpster <laughs> all the time. You know those friends where they're like, yeah. oh, I just found this in the dumpster. It's a $8,000 mid-century. Shut the fuck mm-hmm. up, man. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at that kind of stuff. But Nico Hazel, masterful. Just walking home from your culinary classes finding Italian bicycles and dumpsters, right? <laughs> totally. And so casual about it, not in a hipster way, not and never trying to get attention for it. You just show up and they're just have a half refurbished bike in the corner. And you're like, what is that? And they just like, yeah, I found another one in the dumpster. And then as you're walking in, like Steve Buscemi is leaving, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. And you're like, was that Steve Buscemi? And like, yeah, and, Steve Buscemi's my cousin or whatever. What? <laughs> fascinating. Just fascinating. Endlessly fascinating. 
everything's interesting and they're funny and they're down to earth. They wear clothes well. When I put yeah. on the clothes that Nico Hazel wears, I look like I've escaped from the LDS crick, but they look so <laughs> chic. That's what we're that's what we're working with that's here. That's what we're dealing with here. Yeah. Kind, warm, <laughs> generous, thoughtful. Smells good. Effortless. Yeah, some people just sort of vibrate on a different plane, and Nico Hazel is one of those people. So congratulations on well that. Done. Thank you for supporting us. We are not worthy, nope. but we are very appreciative. Yes, we are. Please come join us over there, too, yes. everybody. And listen, you guys, here's the thing. We are full steam ahead on podcasts only. I am taking yes. the leap. I am focusing on doing this full time. So is Sadie. So those of you who are supporting us and Patreon, huge help huge massive massive help you have no idea so you really don't have any idea yep if you've been thinking about doing it now's the time because it'll yes. really push us into the future as full-time podcasters and we appreciate it so much we sure do and if you want to spend more time with us you can find us on instagram facebook youtube and tiktok we're back on tiktok with a vengeance uh, you can go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com and you can stick it in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> you can rate, review, tell your friends. Yes, please. Talk about us on Facebook. Tell people about us. Yep. Thank you, AJ Perkins, for our music. Oh, and real quick, I want to just shout out. We've had two individuals messages re recently be like i love you so much and we are polar polar opposite spectrum of political views and i still find you like lovely and relatable and that's so nice thank you for <laughs> that i really appreciate that i really appreciate people who have opened enough minds and hearts to understand where we're coming from. I appreciate mm -hmm. it because one of my biggest fears is that I'm going to misrepresent myself. I know I've done it a million times. And so, yeah, when I hear that things are landing in the way I intended them to, I, I appreciate it. So thank you for sending those messages, y'all, if we forget. Yeah. Or one of the problems with two, having two hosts is sometimes one of us thinks the other person has responded. So I don't know if we've responded to those messages and thank you. Yes. And thank, thank you, AJ, so for our music. Yes, thank you. Uh, and remember, oh my God, I wrote something down. Okay. Do you guys know that Shel Silverstein? <laughs> <laughs> I got on a Shel Silverstein kick recently. First of all, did he make anybody else feel a little scared in a sexy way as children? <laughs> <laughs> I saw his face and I was like, okay, yeah, that stirs something inside of me. He wrote the most provocative children's poetry, right? We can all agree on that. He wrote The Giving Tree, yeah. but then he also just everything had a little bit of a, of a hippie 70s tinge of naughtiness to it, right? Yep. Which I yeah. was very drawn to. As a child, I was reading his books like, have the adults read this? Are they really okay with this? Right. And then you see his face on the back, his giant bald head, his big old beard on the back of his books. And you're like, oh, yeah, this guy is a sexual deviant for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. In a good way. Like I was I was so I'm I mean, Stephen King and Shel Silverstein, Royal Doll. Pee Wee Herman. Like that's my quad quadrant of power as a child. Mm -hmm. And so I looked him up because I had never really 
known much about him. And he wrote A Boy Named Sue <laughs> for Jack Black. No, what's his name? Oh, my God. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. <laughs> he wrote A Boy Named Sue, you guys. One of his most famous songs. He also wrote The Ballad of Lucy Jordan. That's the so Thelma crazy. and Louise theme song iconic song Marianne Faithful if you don't know go just take a moment pause this podcast and go put on the Ballad of Lucy Jordan epic iconic song he wrote so he was a rock writer he wrote so many songs but those two jumped out at me he lived in a fucking houseboat in Sausalito from World War II this guy can we have a documentary can we have a seriously biopic we all just need to talk more about Shel Silverstein, we need to be thinking about Shel Silverstein more often because <laughs> what the fuck? The guy's amazing. He's amazing. He had a whole other life outside of becoming like one of the most iconic children's authors and illustrators of all time. He really lived life. He really did. And I have a crush on him. I cannot get Sadie <laughs> and Sarah on board. They're like, no. Although he's, he's yesterday, Sarah, the, Sarah admitted a, that uh, Daddy Warbucks made her feel funny and Annie. And I was like, that's your <laughs> shell. That's your shell, Silverstein. She's like, oh my God, you're we'll so Work right. on mine. <laughs> Dr. Clean, or whatever his name is, with Mr. Clean. Uh, Mr. Clean. Yes, Dr. Clean. <laughs> oh, God. I just gave him an honorable, honorable <laughs> doctorate. <laughs> Dr. Clean DDS. Oh, oh my god no I he's a doctor liked, of philosophy uh, he's not a dds he's a doctor <laughs> of philosophy i uh i kind of had a thing for the kool-aid man the kool-aid man stressed me out so but i was just uh, talking to laura about this like three days ago so funny every time that commercial came on i was like great who's gonna clean he's this gonna up? make a huge mess who's gonna clean this up honestly honestly i would like my heart rate would raise i was like god not me. I was like, knock my wall down and make me drink the juice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my God. What is it? That's so funny. I don't know if you saw the Marco Polo's between Sarah and I yesterday talking about how, and everybody else who can relate to this, who had like your sexual awakening as a child was like around <laughs> monsters. Like we all have this sort of uh -huh. monster thing, you know, like for me, it was like David Bowie in the labyrinth, which was, I mean, anybody who was born between 1979 and 1983, yeah. like David Bowie woke it up. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then Team Wolf, like all these things, like all these, Shel Silverstein, you know, monster yeah. adjacent, Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. God. He also oh, like, yeah. had a sex phrase, right? Like that's exactly that's the yeah. man's sex phrase. <laughs> what the fuck? What oh, kind God. of how much cocaine <laughs> was consumed in the ad agency in your right. 80s coming up with the Kool-Aid man period? Oh, so much. <laughs> like setting up boxes and busting through them high on cocaine, <laughs> 2 a.m. They're like, what should he say? And they're like, I know. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, don't you think that's a little sexual, like a little overtly sexual, like just high as a kite? Oh, it works. It's good. It's good. It works. Well, you I'll stack the boxes up again. See, it's like this. He busts through them and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. So, yeah. We love you. <laughs> anybody else? Shel Silverstein, Dr. Clean, the Kool-Aid man, <laughs> you know? Uh, what's Frankenstein the, a little bit? Investigator Ruff or whatever. Investigator Ruff. <laughs> what's his name? 
<laughs> DI rough for those of you who are in the evening. <laughs> oh my God. What was his name? <laughs> so I can't, I keep opening my mouth to say it and it's Scrooge McDuck. No. No. Oh my God. Are you looking at that? Happy soft crap, children. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, rough, rough. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Rough McCrime. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Investigator Rolf is so funny. <laughs> 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 what is it? Help. Um, Get their pants. Um, <laughs> I'm looking up dog <laughs> investigator. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not giving it no, to me. Right are away. you kidding me right now? Um, what was he even doing? What was that dog doing? What was he doing? Uh, Drugs? Oh. Was he anti drug? <laughs> oh, uh, McGruff. McGruff. Oh, thank God. McGruff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What was he uh, investigating? He was the McGruff, the crime dog. I really was not that far off. <laughs> no, you really weren't. Um, he was a bloodhound. National Crime Pre Prevention Council <laughs> to increase crime awareness and personal safety. Okay. Did it work? <laughs> I don't know. We're all <laughs> very paranoid about crimes we don't need to really worry about. Oh, my God. With successful topics such as child abduction, robbery, anti-drug, anti-bullying. Oh my god. From nineteen eighty two to twenty twelve. <laughs> Damn. Oh my god. <laughs> I just saw something else. I have to dancer created by dancer Fitzgerald Sample. Yeah. What, what is that? Right? Is that a person? Ooh, I don't know. Mm. Dancer Fitzgerald mm. Sample. Okay. Oh no, that's an ad, ad agency. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, now I'm really on acid. Okay. I think we're I think we're good. I think we've got We're good. There. We gotta go, guys. We gotta get get out of here right now. <laughs> we love you, babies. We, we do. We so love you much. so much. Thank you for being here and we'll see you again maybe if we can survive today. I don't know, man. I don't know. We're really taking it to the limit. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Oh, Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.